Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. Today, continuing the series of talking to people in the Harrington Star team, I am delighted to bring to you none other than our sales guru, uh, it's Catherine O'Byrne. Catherine, how are you? Hi, Toby. I'm fine, thanks. You? Really good, thank you. Really good. Listen, lovely to have you on and thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to be talking all about the world of sales. It's been a, an area that was hit you know, last year, particularly by the by the pandemic in 2020, over the back of 20, uh, the you know the back end of the year and moving into 2021, we're seeing a very different picture with uh, very confident sales predictions and a sudden sort of surge in in sales hiring and requirements, which is really encouraging to look at. And we'll go into all the details of that. We'll have a look at some of the things people can do to stand out in competitive marketplaces. We'll look at some of the aches and pains that uh, that companies are seeing as they're looking to grow this year. But before we get into all of that. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Catherine. What are you doing? What's your marketplace? And tell us a little bit about what, uh, where you arrived today, heading up and spearheading the uh, the Harrington Star sales effort. Okay. Thank you for the nice introduction, Toby. Very much so appreciated. <laughs> so I've been at Harrington Star now for three years. Uh, well, three and a bit years. Um, I joined on the sales desk to cover the UK market as well as Europe, um, where I would focus on mid to senior level hires around sales, account management, marketing, pre-sales, customer success. Uh, so anything that falls within the commercial team um, is where I would, I suppose, hang my hat up and, and run at. Yeah, so I've grown with the business. I think when I joined Harrington Star initially, um, I hadn't a clue what you know the financial markets were like my my uh i suppose interactions with it was going into barclays bank to uh open up an account um and that's as far as it went but um yeah so i've been trained hopefully very well um i'll leave you be the decider of that one um <laughs> but i've been trained in the financial markets um and also trained in how to source you know exceptional sales and talent for companies that I currently work with across startups all the way through to your, your more larger financial technology providers. As of recently, I am very pleased to say that I am uh, spearheading the sales desk. Uh, so it's my responsibility, I think, to pick up where, I think it's been running for six years, I think the sales desk has not it. Uh, uh-huh. So yeah, I've got big, big boots to fill from um, my, my former manager. Uh, so yeah, so that's where I'm at now, and uh, hopefully I can uh, do the desk justice and uh, proud, and hopefully grow that out into, I suppose, more geographies and and start building it out in terms of headcount as well. That's very very modest in terms of what you were saying there, because look, I, I remember going back to it. It's been an incredible three years for you, and I think if you go back to your first year um, from coming in with that sort of level of knowledge, you know, sort of uh, limited understanding of the financial markets to to finishing that year being voted Recruiter Magazine's um, most inspiring newcomer in the industry, which I thought was you know, fantastic, immediately hitting the ground running. Uh, and I think it's down to that sort of real uh, desire from you to, to, to network, to be authentic and to understand and, and, and find solutions for your customers and candidates alike. And I think that's worked really well for you over the last few years, where we've seen you sort of really add tremendous value to, you know, to the marketplace and industry. And, and you know, from my perspective, I can you know, think of no one better to be pushing that further forward. And as you say, ambitious plans for us this year to, to really take that further forward. Uh, I spoke at the start there, Kath, about um, 
you know the marketplace and what's happened and we, you know we obviously saw some contraction and conservatism um over over the course of course of 2020 where people just sort of held the brakes a little bit with sales as people were looking to see right how can they get in front of people what can be done etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, and then over the course of of the back end of last year as people recognized that this wasn't going away quickly but there were still quotas and opportunities and people buying etc cetera, etc cetera, that sort of tended to have a little bit more of a, a release of the handbrake and some hiring within within the sales space. So as we move into this year, talk to us about what you think some of the big trends and where the, where the sort of movers and shakers are going to be. What what you're anticipating, your sort of mystic calf, um, <laughs> you know, crystal crystal ball looks like for the sector. Yeah. So I believe digital transformation um, will be massive. I think this year for for the tech community because if you look at last year and where everything was at you know companies always say how agile they are and um how quickly they can adapt and everything that's in place for that and how slow some of those companies were when you take into consideration as well the remote working and um, so a lot of i suppose where i would focus on is compliance and compliance if you can't monitor your employees is quite hard to keep track of so i think a lot of what's happened throughout covid has pushed digital transformation uh or sorry brought on digital transformation much quicker than we actually anticipated so i think um from speaking to a lot of companies um let's say in the middle and back office space as well which is one of the areas i focus on they have said that this is going to be a very good year for them because of the banks having to source new technologies and new solutions to streamline and enhance their back-end processes. Um, so I do think that would be a massive growth area this year. Also, I think AI and predictive behaviours. Um, so there's a lot of companies that I've been working with um, that have the abilities to read whether someone's going to make a decision in a particular way um, and then I suppose, kind of help and enable their salespeople to, to engage in a far more accurate way with potential clients. I think that's been around, you know, for years, but I think now as well, that's definitely going to come to the forefront of, of mm. where it's at, because I think it's exciting, you know, it's an exciting um, way that people can do business, but then you also have companies saying they do have these capabilities and don't have them at all. So I think we'll probably see a lot more of that as well, where you can really, really, really delve into a company and understand what it is that they do. But overall, I think the market's going to move in a far more exciting way. I think 2020, yes, it did plummet. Um, it grounded to a halt. Um, I think the first, like you said, the people that took a hit were the salespeople. And if the banks aren't buying or, you know, the asset management firms aren't buying, then you don't need salespeople unfortunately you know that's the because salaries are quite good and and some companies only want people that will just do the deal as opposed to building the relationship which mm. we all know is the better way to do business and sales but they did it took a massive massive hit and as it got towards september october um companies have realized like you said it's not going anywhere we don't know when we're going to come out of this and you need to act now or else, you know, your, your company's rocket nosing, what's that phrase I'm trying to find, diving into? Plummet. Plummet. 
that's the one that's probably why I should read more uh plummet into the ground um because the revenue needs to come in to keep the business afloat it's uh you know it's a fairly simple model so it's ramped up massively uh companies are now really after injecting a massive amount of energy and time into hiring people especially on the sales because what is lost last year has to be met up this year so targets will obviously probably be higher um you know the work pace needs to be much faster and uh, obviously not missing anything along the way but it is going to be a very aggressive growth year for companies in the tech space yeah i absolutely agree with that and i think it's um i think it's been something that's been very interesting to see in yeah companies took that decision straight away to not oversell at the start, you know, they wanted to add value and, and marketing teams came to the fore a lot to, to, you know, to add that value to it. And there was probably quite a lot of internal upgrade selling and internal selling and upselling that, that, we, that we saw, but less sort of new logo, new business wins at that sort of stage, uh, you know, for the more established companies. I think those more agile companies were starting to have wins in, on, a, on a smaller basis. And, and uh, we saw a more fragmented marketplace that was starting to come through on that. And those who were investing in their sales teams, to me, started to see, you know, to, to move forward a little bit. But it did leave this sort of really interesting position. This is a very interesting piece for me to, to, to look at because there were natural cuts in sales team across the uh, you know, mm-hmm. sales teams across the fintech space. What that's left is this sort of big pool of people, you know, salespeople who are, who are on the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And that, that represents a challenge for two reasons. Number one, because, you know, when, when the market's open, all these guys are going to be looking for, you know, opportunities again, and, and there's enhanced competition for those, for those sort of places. But number two is I'm speaking to a lot of people, and I'm sure you are the same, who are saying what they don't want is people who are necessarily out of work at the moment, mm-hmm. or, or who've been impacted by, you know, by the coronavirus, they want to see the, you know the best people who've who've managed to sell all the way through this, and yeah, you know, that creates challenges for both the hiring companies to you know access and stand out for that talent, but also the candidates to say that they, there can be very valid reasons why they're out of work, but it can be a difficult thing to rebuild that sort of confidence in them as salespeople when they're in a marketplace against other people. So yeah, with with that and what you're you know what you're looking at, you look at CVs every single day, and you're looking for the best talent for you know for, for companies out there. What can a salesperson be doing right now to stand out in the marketplace and and, and uh, give themselves the best opportunity of finding a good job? Um, funnily enough, I think salespeople are the worst people at selling themselves nine times hmm. out of ten, which is uh, you don't expect. I think one of the most common things that are missing from CVs is sales figures. You know, it's like it's great to see someone's experience and what they've done and what they've achieved. But when you're in sales, money talks, you know, what have you done? How have you performed? And I always say like, honesty is the best policy. You know, not everyone can stand there and say, oh, I've hit my quota or I've overachieved every year because I mean, we all have to have a bad year sometime. And if you have some brilliant, you know, I mean, fair play. But I think um, sales figures is definitely a massive area that needs to be improved on a CV um, and clear, you know, because if someone's reading and reading and reading, I think there's some research that's been done that I read somewhere that people tend to switch off halfway down through a CV. So if you're not capturing someone's attention immediately by having your achievements then 
you could be the best person for the job but someone just might not be as interested and like you said as well you know the candidate pool in the market at the moment is far greater than the opportunities so if you've got 15 to 20 people relevant applying for a role you have to stand out from the rest and I can assure you not everyone will put sales figures on their CVs and it's just yeah mind-blowing because that's that's your cell <laughs> and it's 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 something I've been seeing for years which obviously we, we try and work with people on and work with them but when I'm qualifying opportunities with hiring managers the the key things that they always say to me is achievements I want to know what someone's done um, because at the end of the day when you're going to join a team that hiring manager will have a quota attached to that team and are you going to benefit or add in to that quota and that's mm. what they need to see so as much as I can have a conversation and extract that information out and put it in front of a client it does really help if it's on the CV already yeah no I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that it's amazing how people sort of hide their light under a bushel so to speak with, with it all and uh, and, and 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 that's you know when when I look at CVs in that sort of space, that sort of clear attainment and and highlights and and giving that confidence. I think confidence, you know, sales is, mm-hmm. you know, hiring salespeople is very much about sort of winning that immediate confidence within it. And if people are seeing those facts and figures, um, particularly with what we've just been talking about at the moment with the sort of uh, stigma of being out of work during you know during this sort yeah. of stage, they want to have something there where they can say, right, we're we're hiring an A player. We're bringing yeah. someone in here who's going to going to move the needle and has the potential and, and benefit to be able to do that. So whether that is, you know, over the last twelve months or historically, there is a track record of proven success. That sort of uh, ability to you know, to push that through is 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 really really key. What about mm-hmm. the actual um, interview itself? What are people do, doing there to to make themselves stand out uh, when they when they're actually getting through to that face to face opportunity? What are people looking for as clients and how do candidates give it to them? if you've researched the company. Um, I think a lot of people, I think that again, I suppose I don't I don't want it to sound a bit contradictory because I've just said that, you know, salespeople are probably sometimes the worst at selling themselves, mm. but also sometimes it can be a little bit overconfident. So you can just assume that you know all about the company because you might be in the same space, but in hindsight, you don't really know as much as what you thought you did. Um, so research is definitely um you know the business and what it is but what hiring managers are looking for in the first call is whether you can keep them engaged for the first 10 to 15 minutes because when you're cold calling a new logo or prospect you've got 10 to 15 minutes to make an impression um so that would be the first key thing and then it would be just about how you deliver yourself you know it's really more of a get to know each other type of process in the beginning because i think cultural fits as much as the skill set's very important, I think cultural fits are starting to weigh up almost equal um, yeah. in businesses, especially ones that are growing quite aggressively. So you can bring someone in. I don't know, you had someone in once, I can't remember who it was that was doing a talk for us on a lineup one morning. And he spoke about cultural assassins or cultural Damien, architects. Damien Hughes. Yeah, was that it? The Barcelona right. High Performance Podcast, yeah. Yeah, so I remember that. And I think that's really starting to come into to play as well, I think, with businesses, you know. Um, they don't want people that are going to be there to, you know, think they're the big I am, uh, especially, uh, and uh, damage 
the culture but um it would be a research whether or not you work well together can you really talk through your sales process i think there's a very 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 fine line between not fine line it's quite clear i think when you are in it between solution-based selling and product sales and a lot of people in the market depending on what business you're in the titles are always different so you can have someone who's doing new business sales but new businesses into named account so you've got new business sales into new logos and saying you're a solution-based salesperson when you sell a subscription that consolidates data maybe it's different so being able to discuss your sales process in detail and what it is that you feel makes you a solution or product salesperson just relevant to the job not veering off and waffling maybe a little bit like I am now <laughs> but that's what I would say is just understanding that and then finally closing it as salespeople, we are responsible for when you're on a call, because that could be your only chance to speak with someone, not being pushy, but to know when should you follow up, when should you know you send an email or whatever you, you want to put in there. But that's always very important. And a lot of people will judge individuals, especially in sales, on whether or not they close the opportunity. And that's important. So if it's something that you like and you want to continue process then just let them know uh, I think it's always better to leave it on a positive as opposed to sitting there and wondering you know did I do well did I not um, I always look at interviewing a bit like dating really you know if you don't like the person then get up and leave don't do that in, a, in an interview but you just keep it as a positive because if your mind starts running away with you and you don't know whether or not both parties actually enjoyed the conversation then it could go more so on a negative way uh, as opposed to a positive so I always would say close the opportunity because eight times out of ten you might be judged on that yeah I think that I think one of the things you said there is, is about this being on calls and videos and it's a very different thing from being able to sell physically you know on that face-to-face so I think that preparation is absolutely absolutely critical never more so you know as you say to show people who are more prepared who've done their homework who've you know researched properly and spent the time and care to do that and People are looking for that. You know, there's so few interviews that have happened over the last few years, uh, over the last year, sorry, face to face. And the people who've been getting those jobs have generally sort of really worked very hard uh, to, you know, to showcase their sort of ability to, you know, to go that extra mile. And again, present, you know, presenting the facts, presenting their story, being really clear about the evidence of how they've gone through it and rather than a sort of generic thing, their input into it, their numbers. Uh, and as you say, closing has been absolutely key. So there are definitely things that salespeople can do to stand out from the crowd, both in terms of their CV and their interview process throughout this. But there's also a lot of aches and pains for companies who are looking to grow through this sort of period as well. And, you know, one of the core, if you're looking at, at retention areas, you know, developers, we're seeing a lot of movement in the development marketplace. But particularly, there are companies there who find it very, very difficult to, to retain uh, long-term you know sales professionals and there's a, there's a whole host of companies where you see you know one to eight you know one year to 18 months on cvs of their sales teams mm-hmm. now some of that is the patience and we know that, that you know particularly with you know uh, series a series b back businesses there's big churn in those sort of areas as they sort of stretch for for, for bigger numbers but there are an, an awful lot of pressures around you know the aches and pains for those growing companies Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing there and, and, and what they can do as well, your advice for those companies to, to, to make the right hire. Yeah, I think 
don't just make a hire for the sake of making a hire. I find it absolutely mind boggling. Like, obviously no badness on, on the people securing the roles, but I find it mind boggling how you can look at a business. The average sales cycle for companies could be anything from three months to 12 or 18 months, depending on the complexity of the solution. But you'd have someone that you'd hire into a growing business who needs to make sales an individual that has changed companies every year for the last five years. It just makes mm-hmm. no sense to me. So I don't understand how an individual looking at the companies and the average sales cycle, I think across the market, how that person has one business enough to be hired and trusted with your business. I it, mm. I don't, I can't, I mean, I, I, I haven't researched it in depth, but my gut tells me, it may not be the best move. A bad hire can cost a company two years in sales, in my opinion, because it's a very, it's depending on the tech that you're in, I think as well. If you look at the regulatory and reg tech space, for example, it's a bit of a saturated market. Um, Everyone's going after the one client base um, and it's the competition either over who is the better um, I suppose, person at building the relationship, what's the best solution and who's the cheapest? Those are the, probably the, the three things. And if you get that wrong, by putting the wrong person into that, you've lost a lot of money. Um, and that could then be very detrimental to your business's growth in a very, very, very competitive market. So my advice would be is to not rush hiring like I said you know some companies want to get bums on seats um it's Mm. about understanding what it is that you need to hire as opposed to just a hire um you know because there is such thing as vanity growth there's uh things of where we need to have someone in place because that person needs to be there or you know you might lose budget there's no point in spending money on someone if you're not 100% sure when I work with companies, I always try and find out what it is exactly that they're looking for. And I suppose the ramifications of having these people on board and working with them to ensure we find the closest match possible. I mean, we don't always get the mirror match of, of what it is because sometimes the mirror match doesn't work, you know, eventually after going through it. But if you get it wrong, it's quite hard to claw back from it or else you'll end up, especially if it's a cost thing that you're bearing in mind when you're making these decisions you'll end up spending more money and and that that's what will happen so it's cutting the corners which it happens more than we like to say it does how do I think companies can can do it better I think know your interview process you know don't I'm not saying people do it don't google interview questions for salespeople. Um, it has to be relevant for your company. You know, I think some companies, if you look at the startups, they mightn't have a HR function or they mightn't have an individual there that's trained in being able to recruit and, and engage new talent. And it's just about asking for advice from people and, you know, not having this uh, mentality that, oh, I know what I'm doing. I know what's best, you know, because sometimes that little bit of input might help you definitely referencing people as well mm. um you know i don't know like i don't i'm sure companies do it but um knowing who you're hiring is, is quite important and also a presentation 
Uh, I've had people, you know, go into processes that a process could be one stage. And do you know enough about that person in one stage of like, of course, it's in everyone's interest to try and get it as fast as possible. It's just not, it's not the way forward. It's really understanding the people, get a presentation in place, you know, have them speak to different areas of the business where they'll be interacting on a regular basis, you know, around product knowledge or marketing, you know, just make sure it's a close, tight knit type of process where people sit down, reflect, bounce notes off each other, and then go back in and go through any areas that were of concern that's what I would say and not just have one person meet someone the same person three times yeah, yeah. Uh, which yeah. happens as well so yeah. it's a fine balance isn't it because there's, there's this sort of an over analysis paralysis that we, you know we see at various different stages there's yeah. this indecision because you know with the numbers you've seen you're quite right you know it's, it's a big decision and it can it can cause you know, significant damage to you know to to hiring velocity, I guess, and and mm-hmm. and you know people's ability to do this if they get this get this wrong, and so you see companies there sort of dither around decisions and then lose out on talent at the same mm-hmm. stage. So it's, so you've got this sort of very strong sort of counterintuitive uh, two elements yeah. on one side. On one side, you want to make the right decision because it's it's damaging not to. On the other side, you don't want to be there and never be able to make a decision because you worry too much about the impact on it. So, mm-hmm. so, so how, do you, how do you get the best of both of those? Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, you're absolutely right, isn't it? Because that, that, is, uh, that is the job which, which, you know, which, which yeah. you're, there, you're there to do, to have that analysis and insight and to be able to make, guide people to making the right, the right decisions, which I Definitely. guess is what you, you, you're there to do as a true it consultant. Is. Yeah, but it, it gets... Um... Of course, because, you know, I think the recruitment or the recruiters in this industry, some some have a bad name. And obviously there's years and years and years of reasons why people might have come up with this idea that we're just, you know, maybe untrustworthy. Uh, We're not. You know, I think when I work with a company and when I work with an individual, I put myself in their shoes. And I think would I want someone really messing up? my life really because if you go into the wrong company or if you are a hiring manager and you make the wrong hire that will have a domino effect to you as a person in work and outside of work so it's really like when I tell a company you know if you don't kind of move a bit fast I know you want to hire this person but like you say you're kind of dilly-dallying of like oh you know do we want to you know let's try and benchmark someone and get someone in through three rounds of bloody interviews in two weeks and keep this person there and it's like you'll lose them so when I say you lose them I mean you will lose them I obviously try my hardest and my best to keep both sides informed but it's just trust the person but yeah like that it's it's an honest service I think in which I offer or we offer as a business um, and we work with you. It's like when we probably partner with companies that will place people into our business at Harrington Star, you know, we want that open, transparent dialogue of where it's at. And I think that is the most important piece. I think when you take out a recruiter, or let's say if you have someone that's applying directly, then not just saying it because it reflects well on the recruitment industry, but you lose that part, you know, can someone be honest? So let's say if you've got someone that really needs the extra £2,000, which when you like break it down, it's it's nothing in, in some regards, but 
you know, you understand their needs and why they need that and to be able to package that up and deliver that to someone in a non maybe embarrassing way sometimes. Or I suppose, yeah, I think, I think it's just trust, trust who you're working with. And that's because it's, it's not the same size fits all or same shoe fits all or whatever. It's, it's very different. Um, the problems that you'd have in hiring in a very large company, like won't be the same as what you'd have in a startup. Like I've worked with companies that have had an idea you know, that came to life and, and grown the business to 50 to 100 people now in three years, all the way through to companies that have 15,000 people globally. The problems aren't mm. the same. Very, very, very different. But mm. the individuals, nine times out of 10 are the same. You know, the, everyone has different needs and wants, but there's always something. There's always a reason um, yeah. to why a lot of it happens. So I think just trust, trust the recruiter. There we go. Something which we don't hear. Something which we don't hear enough of. So look, trust. Trust is built from expertise, and, mm-hmm. and expertise is built from experience. And you've had three years there, uh, working as you say with some of the smallest and, and rocket ships sort of you know clients up to you know the most established in the sector. You've you've uh, got a an incredible black book of uh, you know the best sales talent and and some of the you know the most inspiring companies out there in in your world in your remit, mm-hmm. uh, and one which you're looking to build out and grow even f- further. Tell us a little bit about who your you know, where your sweet spot sits and who you can really be helping at the moment. Yeah. Um, so company wise, I got I suppose thrown into the deep end about two years ago and got told to build a market. Uh, so I did. And uh, I've been working with regulatory risk and compliance vendors in the UK. Uh, so London, but outside of London as well, and across Europe and the US, actually, I've bought, bought a few on over in the US. So that would be my sweet spot. So anything around open banking, as I like to call it, the fun and exciting tech. So that would be digital transformation, open banking, KYC, AML providers. I also do a lot around the front office as well. So I'm not saying that I don't work that area because <laughs> I have and I have got a track record in placing people but my, my sweet spots and my most exciting spots I would say would just be around the regulatory risk and compliance space which I think is a very exciting and evolving market um, you know there's a lot of companies that I've been working with like I said since its inception you know they've gone through rebrandings they've you know they've, they've gone through a whole host of problems and issues and and everything um, and have come out fighting there's companies that I work with now that are receiving significant amounts of investment um you know up to 40 million US dollars in some cases and it's just exciting to work with those types of businesses so as much as uh, my sweet spot is also working with the larger firms I always say and this is good or bad whatever way you want to take it depending on what ear you're listening through uh Mm. is that i think the better opportunities and the more exciting opportunities for really passionate sales individuals and and marketing anyone that falls into commercial teams are with these companies that are growing the series a you know series b funded tech firms because they've got so much opportunity they're just structuring their sales they're just structuring you know what geographies they're going after where they're setting up and working with those companies very closely you know speaking to the hiring managers on a very regular basis and understanding like we talked about the needs you know the individuals the cultural architects and placing 
the right people into those businesses. That's where my sweet spot would be and what I try and have enough of going on um, for, for people to kind of look at. So yes, yeah, so that, that's it. The exciting technologies that are innovating. Innovating, exciting, all good words for us to be launching in 2021 with. So we come into the year with, uh, you know, with, with much hope as, as to what, what, can be, what can be happening and, and so mm -hmm. much potential. And we're definitely going to see you know, companies there invest into their sales teams and sales talent. We've heard a little bit about your, your sort of sweet spot and some of the things that people are going to need to think about from both client and candidate perspectives in terms of what they look at this year. Who should be talking to you at the moment, Kev? Everyone, really. <laughs> uh, no, I think, yeah, anyone. So if, if you're on the client side, so if you need help with attracting, engaging talent, if you want to find out what's going on in the market in terms of the businesses, um, you know, kind of the movers and shakers, there's been a lot of acquisitions um, across this space and a lot more to come. Um, so good talent is coming onto the market through that. But if you just want to know, you know, what salaries are out there, you know, what am I seeing over the last three months? Because um, a lot of companies have changed direction and changed focus to match, I suppose, the current conditions and climate. And yeah, and if you're, of course, looking to hire, but if you just want some advice and anything like that, or just a conversation into how I could potentially help, then from a client perspective, definitely reach out to me. From a sales side, we always say the best people aren't looking, so uh, I will find you. No, um, but yeah, just if you're looking, yeah, to see what opportunities I've got on. So I've got seven really good opportunities that are going to be closing out uh, in Q1 this year. So there's a lot of opportunities there that are very different to each other. But if you're like, I, I put a post out on LinkedIn there, that was last week or something. And it's like the common things of what people are saying to me so far this year is that the companies haven't innovated, their targets are sky high, even though it's not, it doesn't reflect how is what's achievable for the year ahead. Mm -hmm. So if you are in that situation, then please speak to me. Um, you know, and the thing is with me, not that everyone has had the chance to do it yet or know it, but like I'll work with you for however long it might take to, to find you the right opportunity. So if it's not for now, then it's always good to speak for future. Um, I think a relationship doesn't have to be a product and more of a solution and service to, to where we can get and what you're looking for really. So, but I can't, Fantastic. the only thing I can't do is move people between industries. That's, that's just not what I can't. So it's always, <laughs> always a challenge, isn't it? On, on yeah. that, that side. There's a lot of people who wanting to do it, particularly at yeah. the moment. But it's oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That that depth of experience, I think, is something which uh, yeah, which which, which requires. There's there's no shortcut to that in terms of mm -hmm. what people are looking for. Look, I think there's there's some, there's some fact and and look from what you just said, you mentioned LinkedIn earlier on, and and to me, you are one of the uh, you know the queens of of LinkedIn as a as a platform. There's always good content that comes out from you, from your feed, and and there is a constant stream for you know uh, sales professionals there to be looking at it and seeing some of the best you know best examples of great job opportunities in the marketplace. So if you're not following her already, Catherine O'Byrne is someone who you need to be following on LinkedIn and do that straight away. Kath, listen, it is always a pleasure, uh, always great fun, and always um, great to hear your insight on what's happening in, the, in, the, in a really busy marketplace at the moment. So thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thank you all for, uh, for tuning in and watching. We hope you've enjoyed it. 
and we'll see you soon on another episode of fintech focus tv kath thanks very much thank you bye Thank you.